is Coach MJ from the Real Mission I Impossible Show. We have a special guest today who has not only exceeded as a family man, has exceeded also as a businessman, but he rose to the highest ranks in American football and played nine years for the NFL. I'd like to present to you a motivational speaker, an author, and a true gentleman, J.J. Burton. J.J., thanks for coming on the show. How are you? I'm doing good, MJ. It's good to be on the show, and I'm looking forward to sharing and hopefully giving some value to your audience. Well, you do already. You know, JJ, people who don't know anything about you and they do follow the show, they know that we we often entertain guests who and host guests who've actually had a bit of adversity and overcome all types of things and found a way to well to to go to go on in life and. We're going to ask you just to kind of unpack some of the things that you have. First of all, just to talk about your athletic career, for example, um, if there were bookies, and I say this most respectfully in the nicest way, if there were bookies saying, okay, here's 100 guys, which one of these is going to end up playing for the NFL? How many of them would bet on you? Probably zero. <laughs> no. Definitely zero. Nobody, nobody saw that coming, you know, not even myself. <laughs> and, and of course, the audience probably doesn't know that the NFL, you know, has a particular, I don't know if it's a metric or a shoe size or, or what it is, but those are just huge, colossal guys. And you were playing not only on that field exceptionally well, but when, when you got crushed, I never did ask you this personally. You must have really got crushed. Yeah, I did. I mean, like you said, big guys in the game of, of the NFL, when you think of the average NFL player is 6'2 and 245 pounds, and I'm running around out there at 157 pounds, um, you know, and, and not to mention, I just wasn't the prototypical wide receiver growing up in college and, and high school. So, you know, playing in the NFL – wasn't really the plan. It wasn't really the dream. And I was never on anyone's radar. But as we're going to probably talk about, I'm one of those guys, though, when you, when you get when I get the opportunity, I have the ability to prove people wrong. And tell us what 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 drove you? I mean, you know, people give good reasons like, you know, I would like to do this. I would like to please my parents or whatever. But what was really driving you to excel in such a competitive environment that, again, against all odds, uh, frankly? Yeah, it's a good question because the goal was never to play in the NFL. That wasn't, you know, part of the um, the plan, but it was really just more trying to change my circumstances. I was raised in Northeast Portland, Oregon. I was raised in the hood, a wonderful single-parent mom, and, you know, we, we struggled growing up. We didn't have much, and I just made a decision at an early age that I was going to break the cycle. I was going to do something else, something to put myself in a position to create opportunities for myself and my future family. I just didn't know what avenue I was going to travel down, but I had that that drive. That was that why. That was the thing that was driving me to be successful. And um, it just so happens that this pathway opened up as far as football. And that was kind of, the, I guess you could say, the route I went. And what a route you did. I mean, to play to play two years or three years, a lot of players don't play after three years. You went on and played another three, and then you went on to play another three. So 
It wasn't any accident you were there. It wasn't that somebody uh, was doing you a favor uh, or they knew you growing up and says, hey, you know, put, give a little JJ a job. You had to earn your keep every single day. And, you know, you had to make the cut every single day. Yeah, I sure did. And I think MJ had really started in, you know, junior high and high school because I was always undersized. And I was always put in situations where people would doubt me. Oh, you're too small. You don't belong. And, and then I'm like, okay, I'll show you, you know. And then it's high school. Oh, you're too small to play in college. Mm, okay, I'll show you. And work my way on to the University of Oregon football team and literally beg the coach to let me walk on. I was there for a track scholarship. But that's what happened. And that's kind of how um, – that's just my makeup. You know, when someone tells me I can't do something and I believe I can do it, I'm going to do what I can to show them that I can't. Again, I'm going to say it wasn't to get in the NFL, but that's what happens when you have that work ethic, that intensity, that that determination, these doorways, these opportunities start presenting themselves. And that's really what happened as far as the NFL. Well, congratulations. What a wonderful career you had. And anybody who wants to just have a look and and see some of the clips that are available on YouTube can see some of the spectacular plays that you pulled off. Comes the corner blitz. They go on the fade pattern, wide open. A blown coverage. Touchdown, J.J. Burton. Wow, what a mistake in the Eagles secondary. That's the blitz coming right here. There's two receivers here. This man comes, that leaves Eric Allen with a choice between the two receivers. Jones goes inside with Allen, and looky here, there's another former Oregon Duck in the end zone. Today, we've now just come out of something we call the damn-demic. Um, we're now looking, looking ahead to see what's going on. A lot of companies who have uh, tried to survive uh, throughout this and find themselves coming out of their last pivot mm -hmm so that they could make it, are turning to motivational speakers like you who have a message. The message is about how, how to be resilient and how, to, how, to, how, how can you inspire and how do you inspire those companies who, who call on you to, to give your, your advice. Yeah, exactly. And it's been pretty exciting, too, because obviously our, the speaking industry kind of went through some ups and downs with COVID and all that, but there's really a demand to get – um, you know, companies, teams back on track. And, and it's one of the things I love because I've been able to take the lessons I learned during my journey to the NFL and, and the time I was there and share some of these strategies and success tips and winning principles because they relate, you know, they're, they're transferable into the business world. Because like you mentioned earlier, making it to the highest level in the NFL, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by, you know, following a simple system of success. And like you mentioned, determination and excellence and all that. But I've been able to share a presentation I call seizing your opportunities with a lot of the corporate, um, a lot of the corporations and just kind of highlighting simple principles that's going to help them to get out of this funk and really recover and finish the year strong and really get back on track going into 2023. I guess uh, companies who do bring you in, if you talk to, for example, the people who are responsible for their growth, um, for example, sales leaders and, and those types of personnel, 
would probably really that would probably resonate with them a lot because they would have been the ones to really feel the resistance in the market. Whenever there's an economic headwind that they call on sales to go out there and and drive income, and it, it's it's people like you with your exceptional experience that can inspire those kinds of groups to be able to perform at their best because your background was really forget about football just for a moment. It's really your your background was performance. It's do or die. It's it's win or lose, and there's no lose. So every single day you had to be at your very very best. And if companies today are not at their best, their competition will steamroll them over. Yeah, that's a great point, and that's really what it's all about. And I call it like habit based training. You know, trying to teach companies and their team how to have the right habits that stay with you no matter what, good times and bad times. Because like you mentioned, in NFL, we had to be on point every single day. We couldn't afford to have a bad day. Because if you had a bad day, there was a guy waiting behind you to take your job. So every day you had to come in with the mentality of how can I be better than I was the day before? You know, Whether it was after a loss or a good game, it was about that consistency. So it's it's really cool to be able to take companies into my world and then show them how we performed at a high level and stayed at a high level. Here's what you need to do to be able to achieve similar results. And there's a special formula. I hope I'm not giving anything away here, but uh, you know, it's out there. It's the JJ Burden 1% formula. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and MJ was, it was the quick learning experience I got when I when I started in the NFL because you you join the league, you're coming in with some pretty impressive accolades. You know, I had great speed, great quickness, great ability physically, and I achieved some pretty amazing things in, in the college and high school. But the very first day I'm in the NFL, I remember my very first practice. I was going against a guy named Hanford Dixon, former All Pro older player and i'm thinking like i'm just gonna run by him no problem and when the ball was snapped hanford grabs me by my shoulder pads he takes me like this and he throws me out of bounds on the ground and then he looks at me and he says rookie this is the nfl and if you're gonna play in the nfl you gotta treat every day like it's game day and that was a wake-up call that it was about making those one percent incremental improvements every single day in your game because Everybody was fast. Everybody was strong. Everyone was a great athlete. So it was a little improvements every day. And so that was one of the key um, ingredients of my success, always trying to get better, never getting complacent. And that's one of the things I think that some people in the business world do struggle with. You know, you might have a great week. You might have a great quarter. You might have a great year. And it's so naturally natural for us to kind of take our foot off the gas get comfortable. And so if I can impress upon them, yes, celebrate your success, but raise that bar a little higher and strive to get better the next day. I definitely, I think that's awesome. I, I, I'd like to paraphrase my own feeling about that is that if you're going to be afraid of anything, be afraid of your own complacency. Mm, yeah, that's good. It kind of reminds me of a, a quote I heard is that, um, uh, even though even though you're winning, complacency can cause you to lose, you know, because um, it's 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 a facade that people fall into. And I'll tell you, I even saw some of the best athletes in the world, the NFL. I even saw players at that level that would still fall into that trap. 
But that was the difference between a guy playing two years and nine years. Yeah, because you're in for the long term and you played the long game with experience. Did you did you see, uh, you know, just to give us a little bit of hint here, did you, did you see ego uh, come into play where it was disrupting and and self even self-sabotaging with some people? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, like I mentioned, there um, every NFL player has that wake up call. When you get to the league and you realize that you're not in high school, you're not in college, you know, this guy's an All-American and this guy was all this and everybody has all the accolades and every player has a choice. Either A, they're going to go in there with the attitude that, you know what, this worked for me in high school, this worked for me in college, I'm going to just keep doing what I did before. Versus the guys like I came in there like, man, it doesn't matter what I did in high school, college, I got to learn from these guys and get better every single day. And so those who fell into that ego trap, those are the ones that allowed entitlement to really ruin their career. And these are guys that are part of that woulda, coulda, shoulda crowd. <laughs> right. And and did you see it? Did you feel it also sometimes where, where ego would come into the huddle, would come into the locker room when somebody would bring that into the game? Yeah. You would, but it would only last that long because the thing about the NFL game is if you're not producing and if you're not winning or if you're not performing at the level you need to with consistency, they will replace you quickly. So if there's anybody in there that's disrupting the harmony of a team or a locker room and the team is losing, you're going to be out of there. So you have to be really careful, you know, because um, – um, continuity and unity and just everybody being on the same page was key to our success every Sunday. I saw a keynote, a fantastic one that you did, whereby you introduced that the word team could actually have an I in it, the I in team. Yeah, yeah, that is a, um, a concept I love because – being a part of teams, I love being a part of teams. I'm all about teamwork. Uh, you know, put the team's goal ahead of your your own personal goals. I get it. I believe in it. But I've also recognized to be a great teammate, to really help your team, you got to make sure you do what you need to do. And so that's why I flipped and said that saying there is no I in team. No, there better be an I in team because if you can't successfully lead yourself and do your job. How can you really lead others or how can you be a great teammate? And so that's what's helped me over the years because if I couldn't really focus on the things I need to do, where I need to improve, where I need to excel, where I needed to grow, then there's no way I could make it. I uh, I think that's awesome. Going back to your early days, uh, you married your college sweetheart. Mm -hmm. uh, how many years have you been together now? 32 years now. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. And you guys had three children, correct? Correct. Uh, but then I, I heard there was a, an addition to that. Could you give us a little explanation as to how that worked? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, like you mentioned, my wife and I ran have been married 32 years and our goal to having a family was three children. We wanted three children. That was the number, you know, and we have LeJordan, Dante and Camille. But back in 2007, my nephew, Justin, called me from Tulsa, Oklahoma. There were some problems going out there with my sister's children. 
And so 24 hours later, I fly out to Tulsa to check on, check on my five nieces and nephews. And 24 hours later after that, I'm standing in a courthouse before a judge. And the judge says, Mr. Burden, we're going to take your five nieces and nephews and place them in five separate foster homes. You're the next of kin. What would you like to do? So you can only imagine. Yeah, that was my reaction. Like, um, I'm just here to check on the children, you know, but it was just I brought some presents. Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, one of the things I learned in the game of football was sometime in life, life you got to call an audible. And that's what I did. And I was like, Judge, let me call my wife first, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, throw and a timeout on the play. Yeah, timeout. Let me go out here and talk to my wife. But you know what's really cool is like, you know when you really married the right person. Because my wife and I, we had a five-minute conversation. And I told her, I said, hey, babe, I will not bring the children back. I don't want to do anything that's going to disrupt our family and, and ruin what we have. And my wife says, JJ. Could you really sleep at night knowing we could make a difference? And the decision was done. We took all five of the children. We gained guardianship. We immediately merged them into our family. And we went from a family of five to a family of 10 overnight. My goodness. My goodness. So, yeah, I mean, that's really easy to say, but that's colossal as a move, uh, as a as a father of three and and a husband to your wife and then suddenly making this kind of decision um look what i brought home honey i was out shopping and i brought i brought some kids home and they're going to stay with us forever they're our kids now wow yeah it was like you said it was it was a um it was a drastic change for our family in so many different ways cuz not only were we making a sacrifice? My three children were making a sacrifice. But my wife and I, we saw the impact. We had an opportunity to impact five more lives who were going down this road. And, and MJ, the secret sauce was really the partnership between my wife and I, really being committed to all eight of the children. And it wasn't easy, but, you know, we did the best we could. And I tell you, not only did we make an impact on them, I think they made an impact on us, especially my children, too, to be able to see. I think it really helped my children to really appreciate more of what they have and their parents and being together. And and they they were all great. And we, they raised, we raised them all together. Fortunately, though, the youngest one moved out a year and a half ago. <laughs> she was six when we got her. She's now 22. So now my wife and I are empty nesters. So we are enjoying this. Mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. Great job. Yeah, thank you. But I'm sure, you know, in the beginning when it first happened, I I grew up where I've got seven younger brothers. So we're family eight. And I can tell you, there was never a quiet moment in the house. There was never a day where one of the children wasn't being disciplined. In fact, there was a couch you had to sit in and wait for Papa to come home and he was going to take care of <laughs> dish out all the penalties. I mean, you guys became, you know, wardens and parents and coaches all yeah. at once, right? Yeah, it was there was a major learning curve. You know, you go from three children to now eight. And um, you know, it was a rocky start at the beginning because we were trying to figure out how do you how do you how do you mesh this family together? But once we got it figured out, you know, I think we were all on the same page. And I tell you, you know, 
they're all out of the house now, but it was exciting. There was never, as you know, there was never a dull moment in the house. Family dinners were just were just spectacular. It was so much fun, and and you do miss the laughter and all that. But on the other on the other hand, I like having my wife to myself now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, Thanksgiving's around the corner, as they say. So <laughs> maybe you do get a chance to see some of them during the holidays. Yeah, and we try to see them whenever we can. And and right now, um, six of them still live in Arizona. Two of them did move out. One moved back to Tulsa, and then one lives in my niece lives in Texas. But the six of them are here. Fantastic. And JJ, just uh, to, to thank you so much for your visit today and sharing that personal story with us because that that really got me going big time. I just said, well, you know, there's, there's motivational speakers and there's people who play the NFL, but here's a guy with a huge heart. And for anybody to do what you did, to be really commended. And, and of course, you don't need me to tell you that. It's just it really moved me, and I'm sure it would move a lot of other audi- people in the audience as well. Do you have, uh, going forward as a motivational speaker, do you have any projects you're working on now or anything you'd like to put out there that you can share with us? Yeah, good question. Um, well, a couple of years ago, I wrote my first book, When Opportunity Knocks, um, Eight Surefire Ways to Take Advantage. And it really kind of is based on my keynote, Season Your Opportunities. Um, but I am early, early stages on working on book number two, which is really going to center around the topic of being an underdog. You know, that's kind of my life story, being an underdog. And as I go out there and, you know, this, you know, I meet so many people that feel like underdogs. They feel like the odds are against them or maybe they're in a situation that doesn't favor them. And that's my life, conquering those things. So I'm working on a new keynote that's going to be called something like closing. How do you close the underdog gap? Or how do you come on on top as an underdog? And there'll be a book attached to that too. That actually might be, I don't know, MJ, I've had a couple of reporters that followed me through my NFL career and they're pushing for me to do an autobiography version of this book. So we'll see. I'm kind of going back and forth on this. We'll see. That's, that's the upcoming project for 2023. Well, awesome. We wish you all the best with that. J.J. Burton, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show today. And for anyone to reach out, we're going to ask our our people to put your links in the show if you're watching this on YouTube. And just for the people who are listening to the podcast on audio, could you give a shout out, J.J., on how people can get in touch with you? Absolutely, yes. Go to jjburton.com. That's my website. That's the hub. Uh, You can get my book from there. You can connect with me through social media. All over social media, just look up username JJ Burden. Love to connect with um, the listeners and the followers out there. But make sure you do connect with him soon because JJ Burden, one thing for sure, he's fast. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> we appreciate Thank you. Jay. Appreciate it.